first Rich Cheese Radio of the new year, 2022. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for joining us again, where we specialize in taboo topics, horological hot takes, and unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brodinky. With me, as always, is the Schmidt. Schmidt, how was your holiday? It was good, my friend. How about yours? Tremendous. Uh, I feel like I really enjoyed it, and it's probably because I enjoyed it vicariously through my sons, and they really, they had a great time. We got them like a, a train table and stuff, and they're over the moon with that, and my family just getting to interact with them and really get into the whole holiday season that you lived through as a kid. It, it was a lot of fun. We really had a lot of fun with it. Dude, that's so good to hear. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, my little one. It's it's one thing like when you're a kid and you get to see the holiday kind of through your own eyes, like experiencing it for the first time. But then there comes that point where you're in like an adult where you start to kind of get out of that. But then you get to relive it again through your kids. And I think that that's probably one of the coolest things. So I definitely know what you're talking about. It's been a good it's been a good holiday season. Uh, never long enough, as I always say, but yeah. uh, glad that we were able to experience it. And here we are on the 2022. Yeah, it's definitely been a fast holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> the whole year has been just fast. It's just like, I think that that's kind of the understatement. Yeah, of last, the century. I, last just, I checked, it was December 20, 2019. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where did the yeah. last two years go? So there's that. But hopefully everybody out there is healthy and happy and already breaking the resolutions for the new year. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Don't worry, though, folks. This is not. This is not. The resolutions episode no so rest assured however i think one of our goals having this pod and i think the goal of a lot of people in general who have content is to make it interactive and i think it's something we've always wanted to do and i think it's something that people enjoy about my account is that i've always been down to answer and share and kind of communicate with people and and they seem to enjoy it so i in honor of that, we put it out there, asked some people if they want to throw some questions, comments, smart remarks our way, and they have, and I guess we're just going to roll through them, and they're, they're kind of directed at both of us, and actually, the first one is for, is for you, Schmidt. <laughs> I saw this. I yeah. saw this. I, I, guess, I guess I'll read it out, but uh, it says for Schmidt, Omega goes out of business. Who is your next brand to fawn over? Ooh. First and foremost, that's never going to happen. It's a hypothetical. Um, I, I know, I know. But it's just like, I don't want to put that negative energy out there. But in the event that something like that were to ever happen, and a little part of me would probably die inside. But I would say this. If I, if I had to move on to another brand, something that I could really enjoy, fall in love with, it would really be split for me between two. Um. I've talked about them before on the pod. Uh, Doxa would certainly be one that I would really like to kind of just fall deeper into. <laughs> deeper. Um, I know, right? No pun intended. Diving joke. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that and uh, and uh, Nomos, actually. So I think those two for me are are two brands that, that kind of do their own thing, do it their own way. And I have a lot of respect for that. And as a result, for me, those would be two brands that I would really kind of want to get more involved with become more collector focused on if and this is a big if omega were to ever leave us which will never happen but almost did happen back in history a lot of people don't know you never know some 
truther unveils the moon landing is a fake <laughs> could happen hey, hey, we, they still have james bond okay did, did you ever know the story of when when seiko almost bought omega i did not yeah it's kind of a messed up story but yeah maybe we'll touch on that for a, a future history lesson but now yeah that is a rabbit hole i need to go down yes it's it's a dark one but yes yeah, seiko almost bought omega it's it's a it's an interesting conversation do you do your do your courts crisis histories ladies and gentlemen and put putting myself in your in your shoes on that one. I mean, there are a lot of brands I like on that level, but I think I think I would go with Grand Seiko. I just I, really that's, I like yeah. the variety they offer in different packages. You can get you can get anything you want. You can get a tough quartz watch, you can get a delicate dress watch, you could get precious metals, you can get titanium, you can get crazy dials, whatever mm-hmm. complications. I guess really if you're really like a diver snob, you wouldn't go with that. But yeah, yeah there's yeah. plenty of regular Seikos for that. But I, I just feel like it's 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 fancy, but it's not pretentious. And it's kind of mm-hmm. low-key, little stealthy. And I feel like I'd never be unhappy looking down and seeing what I'm wearing. Well, again, like, and we, we've touched of, on this. We've, yeah, we've touched on this before. I mean, they make a great product. I'm not a huge GS fan uh, myself, but I have a lot of respect for what they do. So just because I don't personally love them that way, uh, does not mean I throw shade at anybody who does because they are fantastic. It's a great brand. Um, they're certainly an up and comer, and they've been doing a lot of things that have been turning a lot of people, you know, away from other brands or, or I guess, exposing them to GS in a way that they probably would have never otherwise. So yeah, dude, solid choice. Cannot go wrong with GS. I think you hit it on the head there. All right, here's one. I feel like people have done entire episodes on this one. Yeah, for sure. Fewer expensive watches. Or many less expensive watches. You want to start? I mean, I think I'm definitely going fewer. I don't know if I'm necessarily in the camp of they all have to be expensive. Yeah. I, I like the idea of consolidation. I like the idea of having less choices. More yeah. choices seems optimal, especially when you first started out collecting. You're like, I need more yeah. choices. I need one of every color. I need every complication. I need something on every kind of strap. Yeah. And then you wake up one day and you're like, oh my God, my head hurts just looking at this mess. Yeah. I think, I think it's really about the balance, right? Like I'm a person who, who mindset wise, I'm going to save my money. I'm going to do what I can to buy the watches that I really want to own. Okay. Whether that's a $2,000 Doxa or a $6,000 Speedmaster, it doesn't matter. Like I, if I, if I set my sights on something, I'm going to do what I can to get that next piece. Now, there are a few times where there's a couple kind of micro sprinkled in or there's something that kind of pops up that I was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, unusual. It's something I wasn't expecting. I'm willing to throw some money at it. Let me cop this watch, right? That's fine. But I think what happens is when you focus too hard on one or the other, you end up limiting yourself, right? When you focus too hard on small micros or small, you know, easily obtainable watches and you amass a huge collection... Well, if you sold off some of those pieces, you could probably buy something really, really nice, right? So why buy 50 micros when you could buy, you know, 10 micros and, you know, use the other money that you would have spent on those other pieces to buy a few nicer watches? That's my, that's my thinking. But I also, by that same token, don't understand the fact that like just only buying nice stuff for the sake of owning it as a nice piece. Because the problem that I've seen people run into 
is they buy really nice stuff. Some of it's collectible, some of it's market desirable. And so because of that, there's never a situation where you feel totally comfortable wearing your pieces, right? Sometimes, like, let's say you buy like a new Explorer 2, all right? Everyone buys that watch with the intention of using it as a tool watch. Then you start looking at the market, you start looking at the value, you start looking at the flippability. And all of a sudden that timepiece becomes less desirable to wear, not because it's not functional, but because if I ding it, if I scratch it, if I mess it up, I'm eating that market value, right? Like I'm losing money on this deal. So for me, the balance has always been have a little bit of both. Have a few nice watches that you feel okay with owning in your collection, but have some nice or some some higher quality, lower end stuff that you would still feel comfortable wearing. You're still going to be okay banging around and it's not going to mess up something in your life should something happen to it. I mean, we've touched on this, I think a little bit before, but for me, it's always been about the balance. I don't know. What do you think, bro? I'm kind of in the same camp. I like so many classically designed, inexpensive watches, like any Seiko design language diver, any heritage military style watch. Like I'm down for a Hamilton khaki. I'm down for a CWC G10. Like I genuinely like that design. So it really doesn't bother me that it's not that expensive, that I would like to have that in my collection, even though it feels weird picking that over something that might be several thousands of dollars. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes it's like, for me, when I think about that, it's like, I want to buy that specifically for that reason. Like I know it's like the Hamilton khaki, right? Like I love the khaki mechanical, the, the newer one looks like the Vietnam era, you know, manual wine. That watch is a, is a banger. And I think that Hamilton has done a great job with that watch. They've sold so many of those pieces and for good reason. It's a great looking watch. Yeah. But is that something that for me is like, oh, if I buy that, it's somehow a lesser watch? No, it's a very high quality watch for its price point, right? The same thing, like you said, right? Because um, I know you picked up the uh, that Timex not too long ago. The was it the, Expedition? the solar one? Yeah, yeah, Expedition North. Like to me, that's just a cool watch for what it is. Yeah, I know it has some similar style cues to other military issued watches. You know, kind of that that G10 or that, you know, Vietnam era kind of look to it. But for me, that watch is just cool because it's a great price point. It's hitting a lot of cool style cues and it has a technology that I don't personally own in any of my other collection, right? A solar powered dive, a solar powered timepiece. That's it. So for me at, you know, what, 180 bucks, $200, something like that, that would be a solid piece to buy and add to my collection because it's just different, right? Is it? Is it different because of the cost? No, it's just different because it's something else I don't own. So I would feel intrigued about adding that to my collection. So that's the way I kind of look at it. No, I think that's a good take. And I just I just think it's a it's a mental hump at first getting over yeah. choosing something over something else that costs a lot more because you get the guilt. You get the guilt of uh, like wasted money. Like, oh, I bought this yeah. to wear it and I'm not wearing it. And... Yeah, yeah. And at first too, when you start out, like we want to cast a big net like we want to expose ourselves to so many different aspects of the of the hobby. And so we're like, okay, I need a chronograph and I need the courts and I need a GMT and I need a, you know, a diver. And so you just kind of start buying all of this stuff. And then you realize like, I don't like any of this. <laughs> that is real. <laughs> like, and all of a sudden you start doing, the, you start doing the purge, right? Like I've, I've always heard it, you know, kind of teased on the, on the forums and stuff over the years. It's like, you never really own, 
you never really become a watch collector until like you've sold off your entire collection and bought another collection again. Like <laughs> I've heard that kind of like te- and, and, and to some aspect, that's true. I've never completely sold off my collection. I never will because, you know, I just not that person. But there are people who have done that. They're like, I need to reevaluate everything. I need to purge. I need to go down to the one watch collection. Maybe I go to the three watch collection. Maybe I only want to collect, you know, vintage Seiko chronos. Like you start going through this aspect of the hobby you find yourself it's like an identity crisis exactly and you find this you find your niche right and like that's that's where you go and that's where you lean in so um find a niche we've talked about that before so to revisit that idea just find what you like um at first you're probably gonna buy everything in sight i know i did i know bro (laughs) We, we, we all have at some point but uh that's part of the journey and uh don't be afraid to part ways with something um, don't be afraid to buy something that's less expensive that maybe isn't what everyone on social media tells you you should buy. And that's okay. Can't stress that enough. Here's a good one. Your dream talk and watches style interview. So if you're going to sit down and shoot the breeze with anybody, I would think it would be somebody at least who's got a collection, not just necessarily somebody who's got a watch. <laughs> which seems to be the trend these days a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey, look, I bought all of these Rolexes and now I am a quote unquote Hello, watch like collector. That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of the community. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I saw this question pop up and I don't really know who I would want to see in a talking watches anymore because I really want to see like, actual collectors you know people that have a really cool journey um i think i I guess if i was going to pick somebody i and i and i apologize i do not know his first name um but the guy who runs the speedmaster collector page speedmaster 101 that guy has an insane speedmaster collection like he has speedmasters that people don't even know exist Okay, that's how insane his collection is. And he's just incredibly knowledgeable. And I would love for him to do an interview of a type talking watches type and just just pick the brain. Pick his brain. Yeah. I mean, I think this guy's got like three Ultramans, like the original Ultramans. Like that's just sick. like just stuff that you're like, how is this, how is this even real that you own this? And he's like, yeah, I got like another one in the back. He's like, I got a prototype blueberry, you know, or, or um, uh, Speedmaster that turned blue or Speedmaster that was gray. And these are like production. Like they didn't age. Like they were that way, like pre-production models, Jeez. like st- crazy stuff. Like I don't even know how it's possible to have them, but this guy does. So somebody like that, I think, is who I would love to see in a talking watches again. A real return to the collector, because right now. Just because you buy 20 Rolexes in one summer, to me, does not make you a collector and somebody who I would want to see on Talking Watches. Just saying. I took this as who would, I guess, who would I want to interview? Okay. And I figured it was thinking like celebrities and stuff. I couldn't come up with a great answer for this, but just thinking about people who I know that collect or have a collection... Right, I thought Marky Mark might be fun. Okay, he's got a ton of stuff. He seems like a fun guy. Yeah, he's he's a big Rolex and Paddock boy, so definitely see some interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. 
And then the other one would be uh, Charlize Theron. I know she's a collector of sorts. Okay. And I mean, yeah, I, she... I would probably be a battling idiot the entire time, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I mean, she's. But I've looking. seen I've seen her uh... make South Africa proud. Yeah, I've seen her. You know, always like sit in courts, have some fancy stuff on. So I thought that would be a cool one. Yeah, that, I mean that that would be that would be cool. And you know, you know the other thing too. I would really love to see Ben like do a talking watches again. You know, yeah. Like he hasn't he hasn't done one in a really long time, and and nothing against the other interviewers. I just miss his approach. I just felt like it was more in tune. He, he spoke more the collector mindset, and he was just a guy who wanted to have a cool conversation about watches. And I and I feel like that's a little bit missing from these most recent iterations. So there you go. All right, so we got the next one. What's one watch-related topic you wish you could purge from the internet forever? Wow. Um, bro, do you have an answer for this? This yeah. is like opening Pandora's box. This could get real ugly real fast. The first thing that jumps to my mind is anything Rolex versus Omega. I don't want to see any more Submariner versus SMP. Oh, None yes. Of it. I'm done. Yeah. No yeah. more Speedmaster Daytona. I don't want it. Just get rid of it. It cannot be spoken anymore. <laughs> That's it. Don't you wish you could just wave the magic wand and it's like poof. It's like erased from everybody's memory. I do. But that that was immediately I was like, any form you jump on, it's always in the the recent posted stuff. Oh, Rolex versus Omega. Oh. Yeah. Two different companies, guys, and and two different companies with two very different corporate mindsets. Um and that's it. You know, qualities, quality is the same technology. You could argue is better one, one or the other um, availability, better one way or the other. So I'll leave it up to you guys. You guys own both. So we're not going to tell you what to collect or what to buy or whatever, but it's a silly conversation. They're two different brands. It's like, it's like trying to compare Chevy to Ford. They both produce a great product, arguably, right? Like <laughs> they're both innovative arguably you're going to have your diehard Chevy guys. You're going to have your diehard Ford guys and they will never intermix. Okay. It's just the way that it is. Mercedes and BMW, another great example, right? Like it's just not going to change. So let's leave this one alone and just move on. Um, I think for me, it would be for everyone that somehow, quote unquote, is a frustrated watch designer to leave their watch input out of the comment section. It's like, look, guys, you didn't go to design school. You're not a watch designer for a major brand. Nobody cares what your opinion is concerning the position of the date. Concerning it's funny. What That's exactly <laughs> what I thought of was, oh, the date's <laughs> that, out of place. That 430 date. It's like, oh, I would totally buy it. But the 430 date, I'm like, cool, bro. Like. Don't buy it. You don't like it. Hey, it's not for you. That's okay. It's okay. Grand Seiko didn't hurt you. Omega didn't hurt you. You can move on. There are other brands out there. They're saving you money. You don't have to buy this. There's exactly. And they're like, I always love my that's my favorite comment. Pass. Hard pass. It's like, hey, Ezekiel 271. Like, nobody cares. Not that that's actually a, a real account or anything like that. I'm that's kind of what they sound now, like. So. 
definitely not a real person. So unless it is a real person, I don't think so. I just made that up. Sounds right like now. a Bible verse, but, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe. But guys, you arguing ridiculousness in Houdinki's comments or Fratello's comments or anybody's comments on the web. Nobody cares. Nobody has the patience to read this. And there's a reason why now comments have to go through a vetting system because some of you guys are just really awful in the comments. Like it's bad. So it's okay. You don't have to be a frustrated watch designer. We will purge that forever from the internet as of this moment. Poof. There we go. Okay, here's an interesting one. It's the old, uh, I'm going to call it the FMK game. Uh, blank okay. Mary Kill, because that we are on the, uh, we have the, the clean filtered situation for the family folks out there on our pod check. So FMK, Tudor, Omega, Grand Seiko. Uh, okay. Well, I think you guys know kind of where I'm at with this one. So I'm going to do... F, Grand Seiko, Mary Omega, pretty easy for me. Uh, kill Tudor. There you go. And I thought we'd probably wind up in the same place here as much as I enjoy some of Tudor's pieces. I flip-flop the other two. I will sleep with Omega, marry Grand Seiko, and I'll kill Tudor. <laughs> hey, I can live with that. I, I just, I just, that. you know what it is? I just feel like I, there are enough Tudor models that don't speak to me. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's not that I, I just, don't like their watches. It's that they don't have the breadth of models that I want to collect. Well, and the other thing too, I had this discussion with a buddy of mine on a completely sidebar topic and, and you know who you are out there who, who listens to this every single week. So thank you for that. But I had a discussion with a buddy of mine and we were talking about this and I was like, look, you know, at the end of the day. You know, I know Tudor's trying to position themselves to be a, a serious competitor to Omega. And in some ways that they certainly are. But I just think that in many ways, they're, they're just beholden to the Black Bay. You know, there's nothing outside of the Black Bay line for me as a collector that I would actually want. I mean, and even in some degrees, like the Pelagos, right? Like still kind of Black Bay-esque yeah. handset, everything like that, like it's kind of one ubiquitous design language. So unless they can really wow me with something in the future, it's outside of those two quote unquote popular lines. And let's be honest, the Pelagos line hasn't been really popular until fairly recently when they introduced the FXD. I think you had your diehard Pelagos guys, but that was kind of it. Everyone else is like, eh, Black Bay, Black Bay 58, you know, yeah. Black Bay GMT. So Black Bay Chrono, or as I like to call it, the Baytona, right? Like it's, that's it. So um, I think until Tudor makes some moves to distance themselves away from that design language or come up with something that's different, they're going to have a hard time taking, taking a position or market share from Omega. That's probably about right. Sorry, sidebar. So <laughs> <laughs> we do here. We're just going to ramble on and talk about watches. At least it's interesting, right? It's what people are here for. You know? Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, what are the hobbies do you guys have? Bro, why don't you take this one? Uh, well, growing up, I was big in sports. I guess just because it used to get me out of the house and running around and stuff. But 
I used to be big into just going to the park, playing pickup ball. Now it's more like golf. I play in a men's league softball team, mostly because I can crush beers during either activity. So <laughs> they're not too high energy. There goes that. There goes that. That G rating. Hey, <laughs> beer is a perfectly legitimate sector in our economy. Okay, that is true. That is true. There are entire podcasts dedicated to it. That's right. Um, aside from that, uh, I don't know. Being a dad takes a lot out of you. Like I used to yes, be into, I used to like <laughs> enjoy like not making art, but I used to draw a little bit and I, I used to, um, play bass in a band once upon a time. But outside of that, I mean, obviously I like to cook, but yeah, I, I will say this. I will say this, having known bro and met him on a few different occasions, this guy has so many secrets that it's just like the things that he's good at. Don't let him be modest. Like he's good at everything he does. Like legitimately good at everything he does. It's like every time I turn around, he's just like, "Yeah, I did this or I did that." And I'm like, "Okay, just you make everyone else feel inferior." I've got so. some layers. <laughs> he's like an onion, yeah. donkey. He's like an onion. Onions have layers. <laughs> Onions and ogres, uh, baby. That's right. That's right. Um, let's see. For me. It's been a long time since I've been able to do it, especially now being a dad and everything like that. Uh, but I would say diving. That's certainly a, a huge hobby of mine for a good portion of my life. That was a big, big, big focus for both my wife and I. Um, so I'm hoping at some point in the near future, I can go again and do some diving, maybe take some cool wrist shots and stuff like that underwater. Because, again, did you really dive if you didn't take a wrist shot? Like, I, I don't know. Um uh casual hunter for me so i like going and being outdoors and, and doing stuff outside and being with friends and family outdoors um hunting is part of that so for me that's a big thing um being a dad i guess is another you know it's I mean, like it takes it, it, it's maybe a reluctant hobby in some regards <laughs> when your kids are acting crazy but you know at the end of the day love your kids and uh they're a big part of my life now and and i wouldn't happen any other way so i guess being a dad certainly would be in there it's very touching. Okay. It's for, it is for you too. Don't it even is. Use. No, 100%. I had a, a wild time at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the, we got them a, a train table and then we gave it to them first thing because it's right out there in the open. Yeah. And then I'm like, guys, you want to open your other gifts? No. You're like, no. No, they literally, my son literally said no. <laughs> said no. He's like, I have the wooden train now. Listen to me. That's it. And then my, I am the conductor now. My 10 month old doesn't know what the hell he's going on. And he just comes, he's like Godzilla. He comes up and just wrecks the thing. Yeah. And I have to fix it. I've, I've put this thing back together like 40 times already. I can do it by memory. See, Probably eyes closed. See, that's when you have the little table and you just like screw each piece of the track to the table so it can never be moved. I thought about hot it's, gluing it. It's just permanent from now on. It will be forever in this position. I hope you love it, boys. Like, this is where it's going to go um yeah that was the same thing my my daughter got a uh like a like a kitchen set like her first kitchen set um and and you know this uh but our listeners up but my sister's a chef and, and a baker and everything like that so she bought her like a bunch of like play like baking stuff and and cooking stuff and they came out with like these really cool like food items that are like vegetables and stuff like that what you're like cut? Cut? 
Yes. Yeah, with the Velcro. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, they have like Velcro <laughs> and like you can use like little like play knives and like cut them. And it's yep. just like, and it's so weird because like when you hit the, like when you cut it and it hits the the, the chopping board, it actually sounds like a knife going through <laughs> it. Like it's, it's, it freaked me out. Like what, what is this thing? But yeah, even her like little play set, like it's got burners and like you put stuff on it, you turn it. And it, it you it's like the gas coming on. It's like it has like a clicking sound, and you hear like the gas catching light, and then like the faucet makes water noises, and like has a blue light. It's it. I'm like, where was this stuff when I was a kid? Like this is so much more cool than what I had, which is like we had to pretend like everything, you know. Yeah, those army men stayed in one position the whole time. Yeah. The cool, the coolest toy I ever had though was like a an old like uh, Fisher Price toy or something like that. It was like a barbecue grill, and like you could like add this like water solution, and it would like smoke, you know, like it was actually like cooking. It smelled terrible. It probably gave us all cancer, but it was really cool back in the day because like you could lift the lid and it would like smoke out, and it, yeah, it was cool. Speaking of so, smelling yeah. horrible and probably giving cancer, one of my favorite toys was I don't know if anybody else had this. I think it was called Monster in My Pocket. It was a you could make your own, like you baked them. It was like an easy bake oven for monsters. Like you put the like, okay, you could put the different color batters in it and you threw them in the mold and you threw it in and hit like go and it would heat it up. And when you pulled it out, the monster was like melted together and it was like, oh, cool. Like a uh, mad scientist idea. But yeah, that was, that was a, a great Christmas monster gift. In my pocket. I think it was monster in my pocket. I can't remember. I have, I've legitimately never heard of that. That or creepy crawlers. I, it was one or the other. Creepy crawlers sounds legit, but weren't those like spiders and like, like stretchy, like worms and stuff. This was so long ago that I remember they were definitely soft, but if it's the ones I'm thinking of, I think they had like a variety of like monsters, zombies, like everything, okay. skeletons, and they were all over the place. So someone's going to have to just fact check us in the DM. So if you're listening to this. Well, on Monday the third. As soon as we're done with just, this, I'm gonna go on eBay, eBay and see if I can find any. <laughs> just start hitting the DMs, fact check, bro, and I, because we don't know. We're so old. we have no idea what's going on anymore. Kids' toys are way cooler than they used to be. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, all right, on, on to the on to the topic here. This topic is okay. Which brands do you think have a logo or font that detract from the dial? Ooh, this is some this is some tea. Slash shade. I I don't know. Do you? Do you have like uh, for example? I don't like I don't like the Panerai logo. I like the Panerai font. I don't like the Panerai logo with like oh where it says OP with the arrows. Yeah, yeah. That's silly. Yeah, I I I agree. Okay, I will say. I think that clutters their dials. Like I like their dials plain. I don't want that on there. Well, and the thing is too is like they use it on like their base logo model i'm just like right. guys like why are you telling everybody that's the least expensive one you have <laughs> like it's gonna put it right on the dial it's like well we, we put it on the dial so you're incentivized to buy the one that doesn't have it which is more expensive I'm like oh i see what you're doing so i yeah i would say that one definitely it's like, um it's like buying without ads with it what you're buying something without ads right you're youtube pro oh yeah, yeah. yeah you're buying something without ads, no ads. yes you said something without Ed's. I'm like, who's Ed? <laughs> oh man. Um, I, I think most people do a good job. I'm sure there's some micros out there because I, I will say this: the ones that have the biggest 
beef with usually are micro brands. And it, it's not any that I can point out with name just because they're, they're so ubiquitous these days. But a lot of times what really throws me is when you have a logo that's say like on a sport watch, but it's like a dressy script, you know, like it's like, like a script or something like that, where it just doesn't, it doesn't fit the, the overall like aesthetic of the watch itself. Right. Yeah, like you wouldn't want like the Cartier font on a, like a rugged diver. Yeah, exactly. Where it, it just, it looks, it looks odd, right? It's, it's either too dressy on a not dressy watch or it's too sporty on a dressy watch. And that just kind of, kind of throws me. So, I mean, again, not, not to point out any specific ones that I really don't know off the top of my head, um, these brands, cause there's a lot of micros out there, but, uh, yeah, I would say that that would probably be the biggest beef of mine if, if we talk about design language. Just fonts that don't match the style of the watch that they're on. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the ones we've talked about in the past kind of ring true. The Tudor Rose over the shield. Um, that was such a cool it, logo, man. I really liked the Breitling Double Jets. Double Jets? It was like two planes. It, it's called like the Double Jet logo, I think. And it... It's on their older models, but now they have like the B. It kind of looks like Bentley with the wings, but it used to be these two jets. I, I, you know, I had to take a look at this because I'm, I legit yeah, throw that at Google. It's, it's, it, it's a really cool logo. Okay. We have to do this. I also do like, I liked the old like logos of so many brands. Like I love the vintage Hamilton logo with like the scripted H. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. I love that logo. I think it's so sick. I love the vintage Bulova logo. So sick. But then some of these other ones, you're like, man, like what? Why? Why did we change this? This not not cool. Yeah. So check out. There's a bunch of like old Navitimers with these double jet logos on them. Let me see what we're talking, what we're working with here, son. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like the it's like the tails. Yeah. Okay. 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 I didn't know that that's what that was called. I might be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. <laughs> I mean, hey, from from henceforth, they will be known as the double jets or the twin tails. Is twin tails better? Brightling twin tail. I don't know. It looks cool. I I do exactly. I, I know now what you're talking about. Cause this is this is a logo before the before the um, the wings. Yeah, and now now the wings is only used on a few models. They because George Kern changed everything. Did yeah, a lot of them that? just got the B. Yeah, a lot of them just have the scripted B now, which is cool, I guess. You yeah, know? it's a you know B is a cool logo. I can't argue with that. Yeah, it, it looks own, it looks nice. My own perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you know. B's a cool logo. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is an odd question, but I feel like, you know, we had to kind of throw it in there because it was just so ridiculous. Yeah, you, got, but... you got to take the randos <laughs> with the watch questions. You know, would you rather have your legs stuck straight out or your arms stuck straight out? I'm going to let you take this one first. I know what I'm going to say. I thought long and hard about it, but in the end, I went with arms because i can't sit still for that long yeah 
Like I, I can't, if I couldn't get up and walk around, I don't know what I would that's do. That's exactly where I'm thinking. And, and look, at least this way, when your arms are stuck straight out, you can always just give people hugs. Yeah. You know, COVID be damned. I'm going to give you a hug. Come and embrace <laughs> me. It's the only thing I could do with my life. And it's like you got a permanent permanent wrist check going. You, it's yeah, always exactly extended. at least at least you can permanently be admiring your watch. Now the only downside to this that I was thinking about, you're probably gonna have to have somebody wind your watches for you because you'll never be able to self wind them again because you can't move your arms. I mean, maybe <laughs> if you could like spin in a circle, you could, you could generate enough force just, just to arms wind the rotor just, your arms are just stuck out and you're just like i could never i could never wind my watches again <laughs> so maybe if you get a spring drive or maybe if you get a manual wind you'll be you'll be fine but uh or at least an auto that can be that can be uh wound up you'll be fine but yeah i was thinking about that and i was like man that's a doozy because like you don't swing your arms around i it was <laughs> again sidebar story there was a few clients that used to come into the store and they were usually like older men and they would buy these automatic watches like in their you know 70s and 80s. And the downside was because of their age, they just didn't get around enough to keep their watches wound. Oh, no. Yeah, legit. So we had to like kind of figure out different ways. And so like basically we started asking people when we were selling watches, like, are you sure you want a mechanical watch? Because historically speaking and what we experienced, like this becomes a thing. And a lot of guys are like, you know what? Just put me in a quartz. So there you go. That's why quartz still exists. Yeah. But like legitimately, as you're getting in age, because, you know, your your mobility goes down, your your uh, ability to move around or energy level goes down. So, yeah, it makes it much harder to actually use a mechanical watch as you age. Yeah. Plus, like my eyes are terrible now. I can't imagine setting a watch when you're yeah, very exactly. visually impaired. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, if I ever get to that point, dude, just, just, just old yell at me real fast. Just put me down. I couldn't drive a car if I if I have my contacts in. I can't drive a car. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I mean, can read the screen on my computer. I'm like actually, like bad. Like I sleep crazy, with my glasses dude. on my head because I am petrified somebody's gonna break in my house. And I mean, who's gonna defend everybody? My Hey, man. No, you, you, you <laughs> got to get that. You got to get that LASIK, dude. Best decision I ever had in my life. I no longer have to fumble around looking for glasses. That was the one thing I hated every morning is like trying to find a way to put contacts in or glasses. Just couldn't do it. It'll change your life. Okay. On to the next one. This is a good one. Biggest hidden gem in vintage. Hmm. I, mean, I don't want to say it. This is broad. <laughs> I don't want to say it. <laughs> I mean, this is totally speculative. Bro, what do you got? Um, I mean, I like anything like true, like issued military watches I'm big on. I think that's yeah, always yeah. fun. I think it's cool to have them. Like I was even talking about the CWC G10. You can have those pretty cheap. Yeah. Anything in that realm I like a lot. I like the old Seiko Chronos or vintage Seiko, anything 60s 70s and there's like a ton of articles and resources you can read on these there are so many cool ones like you can find one that fits you no matter what which i always really like like even if you're like a bullhead fan or ufo like one of those crazy out there ones there's one for you which i always really yeah. like and then yeah. you know my one of my true loves is the the old constellations i i can't cannot get around them i do not own one i want to and i I can't get them. I whenever I see one, I 
I'm captivated. Yeah, there's, there's, I would say that for me, in general, the biggest hidden gem in vintage right now, because it hasn't really taken off as much, it's creeping up, but it hasn't taken off that much, is 1950s, 1960s Omega Seamasters, DeVille's, and Constellations. I would say 100%. Constellations already have a higher price point, yeah. just bar none, because um, those are hitting around anywhere between like $1,100 for like a not great one to like $1,500 to start out with. Some of the Seamasters and the DeVille's, you're picking up at like 300 bucks. 400 bucks depending on condition and here's the thing omega can do vintage restorations on their watches i did it for those of you who haven't listened to early parts of the episodes or, or, or episodes that we did before in the past it's a long process it's expensive but what they do and what they're able to offer you with dial restorations and part you know services things like that is unparalleled in the industry really and truly and the fact that i can have a watch is you know 60 to 70 years old and it's running at two seconds a day is phenomenal. So I would say vintage Seamasters, DeVille's and Constellations of the 50s and 60s are probably for me, hidden gems and vintage. I didn't want to say it because now everyone's going to go out and buy them and we're going to see the market just explode because, you know, Rishi's radio controls the market. We're like the silent, silent player in the game. Exactly. We just over here puppet string in the market. You know, maybe we, bro, maybe we are Houdinki. Are we? Dude, I get taken a lot of comments that say, bro, Dinky's the true Houdinki. <laughs> are we so out? Are we so far out of the watch industry? We are actually are the watch industry. There's an existential question for you. Well, Schrodinger would say that you are and you are not. There you go. There we go. Hey. If you never can really look inside the box, do you know for sure? Don't. This this who did you sneak this question in here? This is a good one. I enjoyed this one a lot. <laughs> I'll let you read this one out. This okay, your listeners should be called Cheddar Bobs. Yes or no? <laughs> Cheddar Bobs. Cheddar Bob I, from I... Eight Mile shoots himself okay. in the leg. Okay, I totally missed this reference because I was like, what is this mean? I, I still don't know what we should call our, our listeners. Obviously, we have some people that are coming up with some good stuff. I just, I know we need to make a decision because we need to start doing some stuff for you guys. Uh, I just don't know what that is at this point. I don't know. What do you I've think about some, Cheddar I've Bob's? I've heard some funny. Cheddar Bob's funny. I like Cheddar Bob's. <laughs> Obviously, Somebody, it was funny enough to put in this, in this yeah. stream. Somebody had the cheese wizards. Somebody had <laughs> the cheese wizards. The curd herd. Um, curd herd was a good one too. I, I I didn't hear cheese wizards, but I actually liked that one. Somebody just sent that to me like maybe like two hours ago. Okay, okay. Cheese wizards is good. It's kind of like cheese whiz, you know. And uh, I like that. I've also already figured out that. You know, now that everybody's just going to live online and be hermits with the uh, metaverse, our section will be the Cheddarverse. The Cheddarverse, I like that. Yeah, going with that. I like it. Well, let's just let's just already make it a thing. We already made Hezzy Boys a thing. Yeah. And thank you guys for tagging us in your Hezzy Boy post. Just going to say that it's pretty sweet. The Cheddarverse, I like that. Yep. It's good, man. Hey, look at that. See we. We are the watch industry. We don't even know it. We're so far out of it. We are it. Either Cheddarverse or I guess the Fediverse would work too. But 
I, you know, <laughs> Feta is all right. I, I, I do love me some good. Feta, I'm a big Feta Cheddar, fan. I am. I, I think I think Cheddarverse makes more sense. Um. Okay. Watch influencer. Watch influencers or media are hard to trust. What's the solution? This is like a I deep, think, serious question. It is a deep, serious question. But for me, the 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 rule of thumb seems to be the same. Um, look for people who don't have paid for content. I mean, that's with everything that you're going to see out there. A lot of it's going to be paid for. I mean, that's how people make money on this. Um, we decided a long time ago when bro and I decided to do this podcast, we're not going to try to take any money from it because at the end of the day, that's how we remain unbiased. It's how we remain objective. That's how we remain tethered to you guys, because you are the people who we're trying to, to tether ourselves to. Um, so for me, just taking everything with a grain of salt and finding out as much as you can, you know, which ads are, are sponsored and which ones are not and, and try to navigate through that. Now, I will say this, too, just because people are doing this for a living does not mean that they're bad people. They're not they're not trying to mislead you in any way. They're just, you know, this is the hustle. So there you go. Take it for what it is. It's a grain of salt. Right. Yeah. And I, I kind of had the same answer, realistically, um, that your, your trust should be earned not necessarily given. I mean, I know it's easy to get caught up when people have really good production value and high quality content, but I think at some point you have to kind of step back and just kind of figure out what the overall goal of like, what am I watching? Yeah. You know, and I, I, I wouldn't trust anyone's content. I guess I don't want to say that I'm not trusting them if they're again, taking money or yeah, I think trust is the wrong paid. word. Cause that, that implies that they're doing something nefarious, right? Like, or they're doing something illegal or, or to, to, to screw you over somehow. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Right. I, th I guess it would be to keep an open mind when you're checking out their stuff. I guess just explore all your or alternatives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing too, guys, I know, some of you guys are pretty active in our DMs and things like that. And we we check them frequently. I know bro is always on it. I'm in there periodically as well. And I can log into our account. Um, but ask us questions. I mean, again, we have no agenda here. We're not tethered to a brand. We're just people who love watches and we want to share that information with you guys as much as we can through our own lens and our own filter. So if there's stuff that comes up and you want to ask us open and honest questions, I mean, please feel free to do so. You know that we can do that. And 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 thank you to the to those of you who already have. It's been greatly appreciated. Yeah, and kind of. I mean, even just on the topic, like I, people have approached me to do sponsored posts and stuff, and I, I, I don't, I never have. But if there's somebody with like a product, instead, I'll usually kind of spin it and be like, well, why don't you tell me what your product's all about or what you're trying to offer people or something? You know, why is it good or unique? And we usually get into a pretty good conversation unless it's something really just out there. But, you know, if it's something I feel like it's it's a novel item of some sort, I usually will work with them. I'll say, you know, you want to do a giveaway? We can I can give something of yours away or something. And that way somebody gets something for free. They get exposure. Just, I get to connect people. And, yeah, and usually I, I wind up with a new contact that way. And it that's one thing that is kind of interesting about this hobby is that everybody is sort of connected. Yeah. And yeah. so when you get to know enough people that are connected, 
like they're always down to do things together. So you can mm-hmm, really, mm-hmm. you can really do some interesting stuff when you all band together. And I think you might see some of that coming up in 22, but I'm going to leave that yeah. one for later. Yeah. I know you already got some stuff in the works. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. It's good. I mean, but this is again, you know, for us, we just want to make sure that you guys understand that there's a lot of great influencers out there. There's a lot of great people who are, are social media personalities. They're all great people for the most part. Um, they're not trying to mislead you. They're just doing what they do that that's going to help them make a living. And this is in many ways, their full-time job. So, uh, for us, bro and I, as much as, you know, this is kind of bro's full-time job in some aspects with the social media (laughs) thing, it isn't mine. So, uh, so just keep that in mind that we're going to be here for you guys as much as we can objective as much as we can and real as much as we can. And we hope that you still vibe with that. So on to the next one. Um, is the watch retail space worth entering at this point? So I, I, I had to, uh, I had to DM this person, get them to elaborate. They meant like as if you're going to open a store or try to actually like sell product. Okay, I gotcha. And you would probably know about this more than I would, but I just put I put that in parentheses that you know, there's hard. To, it's hard to come by the desirable models. Yeah, I, this is a double-edged sword. And, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of my contacts in the industry still today are really teetering with this idea. Um, I've heard that there are some major companies that shall remain nameless because I don't know how like public this information is. So I'm not going to burn anybody. But I've heard that there's some, uh, some different retailers out there, some different you know, companies and, and stuff around the world that are toying with the idea of, of basically digitalized retail spaces. Right, that this whole metaverse is going to evolve into a place where essentially a store or a brand or something could have some type of interactivity shopping experience digitally. I hope to God that that never comes to fruition for me personally, because I am not a person that really loves to distance myself from other people. I love the human interaction. I love the connectedness that 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 can bring you, and I love the the true sharing of emotions and knowledge that can be passed from one person to another in a real conversation face to face. I know that people are toying with this. There's certain industries that are, are looking at it. Um, I don't know how viable it's going to be, but I also know as somebody who's worked in the industry before that people like Gen Z are more apt to want to shop this way. Less human interaction. Give me the goods as, as soon as I can. As soon as I see them, I can buy them and let's move on. Now, I will always stand by the position that there's always going to be something good that comes out of a physical retail space. Um, I think shoppers really crave that. I think people want the connection, especially outside of COVID. Like, I feel like when I talk to people now, like they're surprised that I want to talk to them uh, because... I feel like for two years, people have been ignoring each other and avoiding each other and trying to limit as much human interaction as possible. And as I think social beings, we need that. We need that kind of consistent communication. And that's why podcasts have flourished through the pandemic. It's because we can have some type of conversation with you guys. Uh, So I think in physical retail space, there's always going to be a benefit just because a lot of consumers still want to shop that way. They want to buy things from people that they trust that they know, that they value, and who value them and their patronage. I don't think that'll ever go away. 
Um, now that's not going to say that aren't some people aren't going to try. I think certain industries can make that work. Um, I just don't know if watch retail is one of them because part of the buying experience here is physical connectedness and emotions. It's very hard to communicate that digitally. And I got to say, buying a watch without trying it on sucks. It's it's a gamble, man. I mean, it. How many people blew up and just thought it was Matt? Oh, I'm so upset. Yeah, I mean it. Pictures and high def photos can only do so much for you. You know, even if you're able to digitally try it on your wrist, you still can't feel the weight. You still can't see the proportions correctly. You still can't feel the thickness. How does it wind? How is the chronograph mechanism run? All of these things are intangibles until you physically hold the product in your hands, right? If you can't do that, you're adding a huge element of surprise when you get that watch on, 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 you know, unboxing day. And uh, I've had a lot of friends who've been burned. They buy something online because it's convenient or there's not a retailer or store close to them. They get it in the mail. They, you know, wait forever. It finally comes in. It's not exactly what they want. Oh, and by the, well, by the way, you really can't return it. So that's a hard pill for most people to swallow, especially when they're making their first luxury purchase. And especially if you cut that little tag off on accident, <laughs> you know, it's done. Like you own it at that point. So um, I think that that's, a, that's certainly a great point, bro. It's just like, it's not something I would ever do. I've always asked this to people like, do you feel comfortable spending $6,000 over the internet without seeing it, touching it, feeling it, winding it? Like I... I can't say that I would, but there's people who do it literally every day. I mean, look at every Houdinki drop, right? Not to throw shade at them, but just in general, people are willing to do it at, at, at the snap of a finger. Vintage drop, even more so, always surprised yeah. me because you don't know what kind of condition that thing is in. Those photos are beautiful and they've yeah. probably they've been, been touched. touched. <laughs> they've yeah, been digitally, exactly. digitally enhanced a little bit, guys. They don't look that great in person, believe me. Which is fine. And they're old and... We get that, but they look stellar on the site. Yeah. 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 No, they, they, they really, really do. So I don't, I, I think if you are looking to, to, to open up your own space, um, there's certainly an argument that said that it can be done. Um, there's certainly, I think, a clientele out there that would feed off of that. My biggest suggestion to you, and this kind of goes beyond the actual physical retail space, is, in today's modern clientele, treat them with respect. That's the only thing I can say. I cannot see, I cannot tell you how many times I've walked into a retailer, I've walked into a store, and I know more about the sale more than the salespeople do, but they treat me like I'm an idiot or that I can't afford anything or whatever it is. It's just they come across as bad, and the experience is reflected in that. And that is the number one deterrent for why people don't want to shop in stores anymore is because the customer service really isn't that great. If you provide good customer service, you take care of your clientele, you keep them engaged, you make your environment welcoming, they will consistently come back and they will consistently shop and buy with you. And they will recommend everyone else to do the same. That is a fundamental basic in, in, in retail and so much of it now in all of the luxury space, not just watches, but all of the luxury space. Seems like it has been forgotten. So if you are physically looking to open up a retail space, that would be my suggestion. Just treat people with kindness. Never assume whether they can buy something or can't buy something and, uh, and take care of them because they will take care of you 100%. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about when I was 
pretty young and my friend's gonna have a good laugh at this because we were just talking about how stupid my memory is the other day like i remember things that are so insignificant and have barely any role in my life but i just they stick and so i was with my friend he had gotten a mont blanc from his dad we were like 17 18 right and so we're in the mall and we had a, a mont blanc boutique at the mall so he's like, I, I really want to get a new strap for this. And this was, again, we weren't watch heads. We didn't know they're in, independent strap makers. I don't know how many were around at that time anyway. Yeah. But so we didn't know the deal. So we went in there and he's like, I'm going to go ask if they can hook me up with a, a gator strap or something. We go in there and again, we're t-shirts and shorts and he's got this nice watch. And the guy says, hey, can I help you? And my friend's like, yeah, I want to get a, maybe a gator band for this. And he, he's like, looks at us and he kind of does like a he's like is it is this even a Mont Blanc like didn't even look at it yet he just assumed because we were young and yeah it oh totally it honestly put me off towards the brand for a long time yeah not, I mean it, not it's, that it's, I'm really it, in touch with a lot of their stuff but it it, it rubbed me the wrong way I didn't love it's it. cringe and the thing is is you'll never not remember that experience you'll never not remember that experience and as a consumer you know when you have one negative experience, it's seared into your brain forever. It's the good experiences that we often don't remember. And that's a big problem. And I, and I learned this, you know, working in, in a physical retail space, selling watches and dealing with luxury clientele that you just can't, you can't treat people that way. And so much of the industry, not just saying watches, not saying anybody in particular, but in, in recent memories, especially with COVID, Customer service across the board has gone down significantly. People are irritable. They don't have time for you. If you're not going to buy something right away, you are a waste of their time, so on and so forth. And it's just a bad way, bad, bad way to, to conduct business. It may work right now when things are well, but as soon as market conditions change, customers will not forget. And they will shop at places where they feel valued. And if you're not one of those places, Bye. It's that simple. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. That's just a horrible experience. It, it makes me just like so angry when I hear yeah. about things like that. And the only thing, I mean, again, I don't have any retail experience in that space, but I would say there's plenty to sell, which is good news. I don't know how much of it is super desirable given the stupid hype that we put into this hobby. Yeah. But there's two things that I would look out for right if you're going to try to get some of that stuff you're going to have to tell people no and decide who you can can't will and won't sell to yeah which is a practice i'm not really that much about but also having to buy stuff that you don't want to get the good stuff sucks yeah and 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 for me i'll say this i mean this might sound completely counterintuitive but uh I wouldn't carry Rolex if I was going to open my own store today. I wouldn't. There's too many rules as a retailer. There's too much stuff that they pull. Um, they force you, from my experience, they force you to have certain square footage for their their space and their storage, which there's no product in anyway, um, which detracts from other space that you can use for other retailers or under other vendors. And it makes it very difficult um, as, a, as a business owner. And one day to the next, they can close your account at any time that they deem fit. So it, it makes it very stressful on you because you're completely beholden to them in many ways. 
So if it was me and I was going to open my own endeavor, my own retail location, I would certainly not be carrying the crowd. Well, and not because I'll, the product's not good, but just too many hoops. I'll put a analogous um, situation out there. Is I was I was listening to another pod recently, and they had somebody on who's in the spirits business, right? And he was saying how they have to price these bottles of whiskey so high because a they're in demand, but also b these companies in order to get that bottle, they have you have to buy all this stuff from this company that doesn't move to get this bottle. So now I have to jack this price up just to- And you're sitting on inventory. Right, to balance out yeah. the hit I'm gonna take for carrying this other inventory for so long. Yeah. And it made a lot of sense, it really did. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that's happening now and you're seeing it certainly in the watch industry. But like I said, I mean, the the, the games that, that the Crown makes a lot of these retailers play and, and even the retailer I used to work for, seeing this and seeing the stress of the sales team, the management team, the owners, to do everything that they were asked of in order to keep and maintain the line because there's a constant threat of being pulled at any moment. That is something I would never want to wish on anybody. It's no way to live. No, not at all. So there you go. There's, there's my two cents in a long drawn out way. Um, bro, what other podcasts do you listen to? So I'll, just in speaking of the one I was talking about, that was uh, Spirit of Time, the guys out. In LA, uh, Matt Got and Greg. Out. Yeah, two cool dudes out there. Um, so Spirit of Time I listen to regularly. My guys, Whiskey and Watches, I listen to regularly. It's a lot of people who I have connections with usually because at this point, like I was talking about before, how people get to know each other. We're sort of like friends. Like I have actual text conversations with these people. Yeah. Like we know each other's kids' names and stuff. It's it's like on that kind of level. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I still check in with uh, Two Broke Watch Snobs once in a while. They're, they've kind of gone to every other week, but I still check in with them. You know, it's hard. I, I don't know who's still putting stuff out nowadays. It, yeah. There's a well, lot, I know there's changed. a lot of new stuff, but also a lot of stuff I haven't gotten into because just no time. <laughs> yeah. I know I know our good friends at uh, the 10 and 2 podcast, they're, they're getting ready. They just did or they're getting ready to release a new episode. Yeah, I did see that. Um, they're they're coming back, so that'll be exciting. They've they've had a little bit of a hiatus. Um, so shout out Kat and Catlin. Um, outside of watch stuff, I, you know, I know a lot of people are on true crime. That's not really me, but uh, I do listen to the way I heard it by Mike Rowe. Um, if you what know about him uh, our boy Lorenzo, I do listen to his podcast as well. So I'll give I'll give our boy Lorenzo a shout out. So if you don't listen to The Blunt Instruments, it's a podcast dedicated to all things James Bond in the community. Uh, it's very good. So uh, Lorenzo is a good buddy of mine. And he, he hosts that podcast with uh, with Jake and Luke, also two Bond collectors. So shout out Lorenzo. I uh, hope you're listening to this. But uh, great podcast as well for Bond stuff. Yeah, cool, so. dude. Cool, cool guy. All right. Here's a good one. Perfect three watch collection for you, right? Everybody always talks about the generic three watch collection. I'm going to cover, you know, a, a chronograph, a diver, a GMT. I'm going to cover all these different bases, but realistically, the broad brush doesn't work for everybody. So what about right. for you? Um, I'll start off. Uh, I, I actually own them, so I'm just going to spit them out. So for me, uh, Diver Watch, uh, my Seamaster 300, 
I have the master coaxial version. I love it. I think it's a fantastic watch. Um, certainly a go anywhere, do anything type timepiece. Uh, chronograph, pretty easy for me. Uh, speedy. So I'm going to do my speedy 3861 caliber with the anti-magnetic movement. And then if I'm going to do a dress watch, I'm going to wear my 1950 Seamaster. Like that's, that's it. That's my three watcher. I knew two of them. I didn't know if you were going to go with the Doxa. That's always so close. It's a tough one. It is a tough. It's just because I have so many divers, but you know, you know where my where, where my sensibilities lie, and the only reason why I picked it over the Doxa, to be honest with you, is just because of the anti magnetic movement. I just think if you're going to have only three watches in your collection, they should be able to do everything and handle everything. And I think that that certainly um, is important in my dive watch too. So, yeah, for myself, I. You know, I bounce back and forth so much, but I know I want to have something Grand Seiko in there. I want to have whether it be one of their like their new GMTs that they just released or something with a crazy dial, whether it's the Seasons, Whirlpool, the Snowflakes. There's a million of them. I want something from them that is like impressive. Like I appreciate yeah. what they put out there. I want something that's like a head turner from them. Um, I've always bounced back and forth chronograph between the El Primero, the Moonwatch. Obviously, I own the Moonwatch. So I have a little more experience with that. I guess I would go with yeah. that over the El Primero. I don't, I've never actually experienced an El Primero beyond just like slapping it on real quick, two seconds and give it back to the associate before I scratch this thing. <laughs> it's okay. Hezzy boys. <laughs> and then what's for life. I still, like I was talking about earlier, I'm, I'm in pursuit one day of an old constellation. I, I lean rose gold. I like the way that mm. old pink gold looks. I really do. Yes. And those are rare, dude. Those are they real are. Rare. And I saw one the other day, and it was on. I think it was Omega Enthusiasts' account. Yes, yeah, he posted one of the three different colors. Oh, like the steel, it looks so two tone, so yeah. good, super rare. I've only I've in my entire career working in retail, I've only ever seen a vintage pink gold one time, and it was just like, and it was one of those things like you didn't even notice it until you put the yellow gold next to it, and you're like, wait, right? It's a subtle pink. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not like in your face. It's so beautiful, man. It really is good and classy. So good. So I think that's where I would end up if like I had no that's watches and I just had a stack of money and it's like pick three. Yeah, that's pretty epic. I feel like man. those fit me well. Yeah. I, you you in that pink Sedna, dude. Like, it is. It's, it's that it's, that that's hue. your thing. That is. Yeah. That's that's it. That's it. Um, this is a good question. If you were bond, what is your bond watch? I'll let you start off with this one. Uh, I really didn't have a good answer. I kind of just thought in the vein of Bond and what he's worn in the past and present. And I didn't want to copy anything he's already kind of had in that mm -hmm. respect. But kind of thinking back to when I think like classical Bonds, I think of the Connery, Submariner and stuff. I thought a 50 Fathoms might be an interesting twist. I could see that. That's, a, that's actually not a bad answer. Because I, I, I had a lot of good dressy ones, but... Bond's yeah. not always dressing, you know? Yeah. Sometimes he's wrapping it around his fist and punching somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought a 50,000 would be a cool riff. You know, maybe yeah, you I mean, throw that's... it on an undersized Bondado. Might look yeah, there you go. Look. There you go. <laughs> it's for a 16 on a 20. No big yeah. deal, right? But, you know, it's, it's 16 on a 19. It's stealthy, but still baller. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I mean, I'm going to stick with Omega because, I mean, he is Omega. Um, I think if I was going to put him in a new watch today, I would do um, 
the all black ceramic 300 meter black black the full black with the black i think loom. that watches yeah with the <laughs> black loom i mean it's just it's it's kind of classic in the sense that it's a 300 meter variant it's super stealthy for all of his night raids and different kinds of tactical missions or whatever i think it would but look good put, in the aston martin uh, totally but even still like if he had to wear like black tie that watch in black tie would be amazing it just looks so good so i think that that would be a really a really solid choice for him if if he was going to wear a newer type of watch for bond that would be my bond watch all right we got just a few more before we got to wrap this bad boy up huh yeah we're at we're almost at the end here okay if you were going to be stranded on castaway island for four years what watch would you want with you hmm my first initial thought was, would the Breitling Emergencies Beacon reach? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that's total it. practicality. That's right. It's like, I'm just going to, hey, guys, I'm going to cut these four years short by like three years and 11 months. Yeah, let me enjoy my vacation first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, beep, beep. I'm stranded, guys. Come pick me up. That's a good one, actually. Breitling Emergencies. That's one I haven't heard thrown around in a long time. Right, because you can, you can call for help on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But maybe you don't want to call for help. That's what I said. Take, like, take your vacation until you're bored. I mean, you can always find a floating volleyball and turn it into a best friend. That's right. Um, maybe on this one, since I, send my, since I said my 300 already, I'll go with my docs on this one. I'll do, the, I'll do the black lung. Orange professional sub 300. That's good because you can probably spot that from an aircraft. You know, there you go. <laughs> I can use it and flash it. You know, that bezel has got a little bit of reflectivity to it. So maybe I can use it as a beacon, send some Morse code, or I could just in, enjoy skin diving for the rest of my life on a deserted island and watch that dial slowly patina. Yeah, I was thinking originally about something with a compass, but I don't know if that's going to matter other than navigating the island itself. Yeah. And then I kind of thought of complications that might work, but really I, I don't I don't know what I would use them for. Like, a, a, I guess a multi function watch like the arnie would be a good one and it's tough and i can go in the water with it and that one's solar now right the it arnie is, is solar that now? is solar yeah. so so that I'd would be, be that would be solid because you wouldn't have to worry about, nails, that yeah thing. you wouldn't have to worry about changing out no battery cells in the middle of the, in a deserted island yeah so. that wouldn't be a bad idea all right let's see here which watch has caused you the worst buyer's remorse this is probably more applicable to you because i really don't sell anything that i have well, he says buyer's remorse. So one that you've bought that you have been less than. I'm sorry. With. Yes. Ooh. Let's see. I buy everything that I love. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like I don't sell anything because I love everything that I buy. Is that, is that, a, is that an applicable answer? Well, I'll tell you a story. And it was when I hit the point in my collecting where I wanted to dip my toe into the micro pool. I'm not gonna okay. dog. I'm not gonna dog this brand out, but I bought a watch from them that came out, and it seemed really cool. And I got it, and I took it out of the package, and the loom pit was only half filled in. Ooh, yeah. And so it occurred to me that this was clearly never even looked at. Mm. You would you would catch that, right? If you were if you were QCing those, you would catch that. Well, maybe. I mean. There was, I mean, 
I can't I can't throw shade because if you f- remember not too long ago, there was that what uh, was in a Rolex Explorer or Rolex uh, uh, Air King. They had two nines on the dial. Oh, I think I heard about that. Something like that. That's it had like two piece. of the same. Like, yeah, I mean, like, and it went out into the world. <laughs> Somebody bought this watch. You know, like, this is a factory screw up. Yeah. So, but, I, I mean, mean, I guess that I mean, shows you they're 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 machine making their watches, right? Yeah, they're of not, course they are. They don't have some they are. some grandma's Zeratu polishing it, looking at it for twelve hours. No, I mean, and even if they did, eventually, out of you know a million watches a yeah, year, you'd maybe skip, one's gonna slip through. Over. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on, like if you're in, like QC is a thing, sure, but it happens to everybody. I don't care how good of a brand you are; it still can happen. Now, should somebody have been checking that those those loom pips and and the markers under a UV light? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, it just it, it it left a bad taste in my mouth, and I, it. Yeah. It may be a little hesitant to. Is it? Is it a pretty, pretty, pretty well like? Pretty okay. well. All right. Gotcha. One that's been around. Okay. We won't. We won't name names. No, I won't. Because I don't. I don't want to deter people. I don't want people to just use my experience. Could be a one-off. Yeah. You never know. For sure. But, for sure. You know, everybody seems to use that as the positive for microbrands is that you can you can just hit up the owner and be like, "Uh, this needs a fixing," and they'll you know they'll do it. They're usually very yeah. good about that. But I don't know. It it just didn't sit well. Interesting. All right. I don't have anything because I love all my watches. So um, last question. This is actually a, a good one. Micro brand Holy Trinity. Okay. And now when I thought of this, I thought micro brand like small brands aspiring not like some people are like oh well independence or micro brands and i'm like eh, yeah yeah i'm not gonna put them we'll, in the we'll, same le- we'll leave Habring, we'll leave ming we'll leave those out right that's kind of what you're thinking of yeah yeah because I, I i almost put those into like independent luxury like it's yeah. it's yes it's not quite hotterology but it's like i mean some it's of these brands there. are expensive i mean like yeah. three or four thousand dollars for a watch or ten thousand dollars for a watch like that's you're in a, you're in a different tier yeah you're a micro brand because you produce like 50 watches a yeah, year fewer <laughs> watches <laughs> exactly but it's like hey well we'll leave the micro brands to the zellos and the and the and the halios uh, uh, there i mean like that's kind of where we're at um i don't know i i would say certainly for me halios is in there i got the c4th on mine okay the original okay Okay. Um, who's still considered a micro these days? Feels like everyone's changing. Right, that, that's what's tough is who's considered a micro. And then also, like when I think micro, I think of a lot of people who are at like the Warren Wound show, which not all mm-hmm. of them are micros. Hamilton's there and stuff. But yeah, I think about who's there. I think maybe for me, it would be Halios. Baltic would certainly be in there. Oh, that's a good one. I like, I like the guys at Baltic. They, they make a great watch. Um, I have their uh, their Aqua Scaff or whatever it is, um, Gen One, OG, and then who do you have anybody? Um, I mean Chris Ward does some cool stuff. Like they have a super yeah. compressor. I really, are they still I really considered? Like. Are they still considered micro? Or are they considered more like independent? You know, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't it's know. Like, where I, I, draw I the almost line. I almost put like Sea Ward like almost like even though they're two different 
like realms of watch, I put them kind of close to like Nomos, right? Like they do their own thing. Yeah. They're making their own in-house movements now. Their watch price points are going up. So I technically they are a micro, I think, but I still kind of consider them like a low, like a like an entry independent in in the luxury space. Because I mean, those those C60s, man, they keep getting more expensive every year, but they also keep innovating their watches every single year. They got like 10 day power reserves. They got skeletonized movements that are all hand done in house. Like there's some crazy stuff. See has been doing over the years that I, I really appreciate, but I think we're moving out of, you know, the u- ubiquitous Miyota 9015 territory. Yeah. The other one, and this probably, probably fits into that same category. Now that I'm thinking about it is uh fairer. Yeah. They put out a pretty wide variety of stuff, but they got some stuff like their world timers and things. Let me yeah. tell you, their booth at Windup is always, you cannot get there. It's always like three people deep. You can't, I've never gotten my hands on any of their stuff. I've seen it from well, far. I, I have a buddy, the, the collector guy I, I told you about before, he's owned a few of the Ferrers and fantastic, fantastic watches. They're, they're GMT, kind of like one of the first models that they came out with. Like that watch is awesome. It's a very cool watch. It's a great movement, a true GMT, like, it's just a very well-built timepiece for that price point, 100%. But again, I still kind of put them in that level because you're hitting on some of their watches, hitting a few thousand dollars, yeah. right? Like They got some more expensive so, stuff. Yeah, exactly, right? So, like, I, I mean, and the fact that they're doing, like, world timers and, like, their world timers look cool. Like, they don't look like anything else in the market. No. They're, they're, they're mono pusher chronos. Like, they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, so... I would say this would be me. I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a leap of faith here. If I was going to do a independent luxury trilogy, then I would certainly put Farrer, I would put Nomos, and I would put Seaward in that. I think that would be kind of a, a next tier. Right. Right. But I still think as far as like the micros grow for most of our listeners, if they're really focusing on this, I think it's kind of like Halios you know, Unimatic, Baltic, Zelos, like those kind of guys. Yeah, I could see it. I just don't know who who would really be the three for me. I, I would say without a doubt, Halios is in there somehow. Um, I feel like a lot of people love Zelos. They make a, a, a decent one. I've never owned one, but I, I hear that they make a pretty decent watch. Right. And then you have popular ones that I don't have a ton of experience with. Astern Banks, Oak and Oscar, yeah. Raven, uh, the list goes on. There's a ton yeah. of them. I just, I don't know. I've never put. owned an Astern Banks. I've held a, a um, um, Oak and Oscar. Cool watch, especially when the little second hand like hits the little when logo. When it lines up. Yeah. Yes. It's, just, it's so stupid, but it's just like, hell yeah, that's cool. Right. It's just, again, it's just attention to detail. It's one extra step. Um, who else did you say? Raven, I think, is a, is a solid choice, man. They've, they've been an OG in the game for a long time. Um, their Trekker is really great looking of a watch. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. There's so many good ones. I don't know if I can narrow it to three. Yeah. Tough call. 
I would say any of those brands that you just named are, are solid options. Yeah. I don't really know how to put one over the other is the problem. So, and that's the thing is like, and the other thing too, is like, I haven't held or right. used all of these watches. I only have limited experience with them. So I'm not going to speak profoundly for anyone or over the other, but notice, um, notice. Yeah. Another one, their sector, their new sector crosshair dive or sector dive that they just came out with looks sweet. Um, there's a lot of good brands coming out, man. So any of those, like, I, you have some sneak, some little, some little guys like Vair. Vair is like an interesting one. I've, yeah, I've I keep at. seeing them pop up, and I think they even got on Houdinki recently. Yeah, yes, they did. Um, so I'm interested in that brand. I actually like what they're doing and their aesthetic, and they're kind of like in that mill tool dive watch game. So like, I know that's like right up your alley and my alleys. So you know. I would actually love love to get my hands on a bear. I think it would be really cool to see. Yeah, I got to try a couple on at the last, the very last windup I went to. Not this year's, the previous one. Um, oh, okay. They had a couple of like their their quartz models there, and I was just playing around with them. I remember they were. I went over there because they were right next to Zodiac, and I wanted to see. Mm. That was when they had the the golf colored GMT Zodiac. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to go over there and see that, but I wound up I was playing around with the bears, and they they felt like they were built pretty decent. So. Yeah, and I and I've been wanting to take a look at them now because now that they've they're moving into automatics, so they don't just have quartz; they have you know, Miyota automatics, and I think they even have a Swiss automatic. So there's like two different tiers. Okay, and they're they're trying to move up into something. So I mean, they got on Houdinki, whatever that means, but they're there. So I'd love to get my hands on one. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget Johnny. Johnny Brew. Oh, Mr. Brew. Hey, dude, I, I ran into a random guy at the, at the mall the other day, and he was wearing a salmon dial brew. Oh, no way. Yeah. I was like, oh. He's like, hey, you know what this is? I'm like, I sure do. It's a very cool watch. Funny enough, we were at Starbucks. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's like. appropriate. <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate, but I don't know if it's like supposed to be. Like, we should have been like at an artisanal coffee house, right? With some latte art, you know? But there you go. John, your watch was spotted in the wild somewhere in Texas. So there you go. All right. Well, that was the last of the questions. Uh, thanks, everybody, for participating. Yeah. Thank you, guys. But, yeah, we're definitely going to try to make this a little more interactive going into the new year. Um, I think it's kind of fun for everyone get people involved and stuff. And uh, who knows? You know, we, we don't do special guests or anything, but we might have some people on maybe once in a while. Some friends, friends of the show, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just to sh- they can hop in on the topics too. We don't have to. Uh, doesn't have to be an interview, right? I think that's the problem. I think when I see a podcast with an with a guest, it's always an interview, and I feel like it's just the person carrying that episode. Yeah, and like I, I don't tune into the pod to hear them. No disrespect, but yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But I feel like it, it it doesn't water it down. It's just like, you know, you're not going to get much of the hosts. And like, it's probably going to be the same questions over and over. So like, rather than That's doing that, like having a guest who's just going to chime in on the topic and be like fun. I yeah. Know, to me, that's the kind of guest I want to listen to. So I feel you. I feel you. Anyways, um, it's great to be back. Looking forward to a lot more episodes. Number 11 in the books. And uh, yeah, looking forward to putting this one out on Monday.
Yep. Thanks again, all of our cheese wizards <laughs> out there. <laughs> That's right. And uh, hopefully everybody's New Year started off real good. And we'll catch you again next week. Take care, guys. Be good. Be good.